just going to point out that so far, I think you've asked me two questions, one of which involved a complete misapprehension as to the core theme of, of the book. And I've just badly phrased something I'd heard you say. I'm going to send it a quote. Uh, <laughs> I was just uh, talking just... to him about that. He's like, you said it, you said it, you said it somewhere. No, I just, not what, exactly what I said. <laughs> It's the matter that you got no, to no, have a problem with I just, uh, oh, God. Why have I got a podcast? I can't talk. Good evening, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank well, you, man. Yeah? Yeah, good, good, good. How good mm. are you? Uh, I'd say triple good. Triple, triple good? Nice. That's a bit of an exaggeration, to be honest. Um, Is that to do with right. heat? Are you hot? Uh, I've been sat at my, at my desk all day inside, so not too bad. Cool. Um, what are we doing today? What are we talking about? conversation, thank you. <laughs> um, well, we have Ian Dunt here. Yeah. Welcome, Ian. Thank you. I'll turn myself off mute. Yeah, well, I just thought I'd jump straight in rather than doing like a 20-minute introduction before I even like mentioned that you you are here. <laughs> I think we're all very grateful for that. <laughs> so how are you? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, okay, you know, we're talking when sort of, you know, a whole day of Boris Johnson getting sort of like remorselessly bludgeoned and twatted in Parliament and his whole reputation in tatters. So I actually feel like pretty pretty fucking good right now i feel pretty upbeat yeah well you know this is all part of a big plan is is it's gonna come back i reckon <laughs> big comeback on it's a weird way to make a start a comeback <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think he's going to but still some people are holding out saying you know don't rule him out you know he's saying like oh i'm gonna run i was thinking about going for another seat and it's like hey you just fucking resigned <laughs> you resign. You, you resign. You can't be like, right? Someone, I might run somewhere else. It's like, what? The guy is flapping around, and it's very undignified. Very, very undignified. But anyway, yeah. so Ian, uh, we're here to, to to talk about your uh, your book, which you've uh, you've been doing the rounds for quite some time now, haven't you? But hey. <laughs> I have, yeah. <laughs> but but right at the sort of fag end of a book promotional <laughs> tour. <laughs> Then I come here, you know, this is, I feel like it's part of a, a like sort of really bizarre self-defeating tradition that I have with books. <laughs> Towards the end, I come here and you say, describe your book before I down this pint or something like that. And I think like, well, this is just not the standard of fucking interview that I'm used to. Yes. I was actually thinking about that the other day when I thought, I think it might have been the first interview where I just started asking a question but then it turned into a rant for a long time and then i just stopped and said now you say something <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, yes. and i don't know if my interview was... abilities have ever really improved much but we'll try <laughs> that was genuinely an actual interview question that you asked me which even then wasn't even a question it was a statement of now you say something <laughs> oh, dear me so I really enjoyed the book, though, Ian. So I'm oh, just going to I have, did really enjoy the book. Um, so, uh, Matt, do we need to do a little break here where we go into the next section? Musical segment. <laughs> that thing. Take a breather. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been such hard work oh. so far. <laughs> oh, fuck it out. The core message of your book is that MP, as most MP, most politicians go into politics to try and uh, you know do good, and the system sort of grinds them down and crushes their sort of independent thought and you know stops them being able to, with the best intentions, have gone into the system and just been sort of the life squeezed out of them sort of thing. Is, is that a core? I don't. Is that? I don't think that is the core message. It's badly, no, no, but it's, it's a badly paraphrasing an interview. Uh, as well. <laughs> um, I mean, so I, I guess the thing is, I, I don't really care about their motivations, but for what it's worth, I don't question their motivations at all. Like, overwhelmingly they respond to surveys even private ones sort of saying well look i've gone into this to make the world a better place and i think probably that's what they think that they're doing and their idea of what that entails is very different right it's different for a labor person than it is to a conservative but they're not selected for their knowledge of any subject matter or their sort of intellectual or, or organizational capacity to scrutinize legislation they're selected by partisans to be partisans and then they go into a system that values partisanship above all other qualities. And so we see what we get, you know, which is these kind of really typically quite unimpressive figures without really the, the capacity, even for the kind of sustained attention that you would need to properly scrutinize legislation. So it's not, to, to me, I'm sort of, I don't really question their intentions too much, but I sort of also just don't, I, I don't really care that, that I think ultimately they probably have good ones. Okay, so that, but the, the, whether they've got intentions or not, they can, they, 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 the system makes it difficult for them to to do their job, to have to think independently, to act independently, um, to get things yeah, done. Yeah. Um, uh, and the other interesting, what I liked about the book was that I did actually tweet that I liked your book, and then I had uh, some strange, strange person replying on Twitter saying, "I might read this, even though he's a communist." <laughs> Which wow. Like, but wow. I'm not, I didn't bother engaging because I thought, right, I'm not sure this is a person reasonable, you know, worth talking to. But if everything, That's really nice, though. I prefer to be... It's just been so long since anyone's called me a communist and it's been so long that everyone's <laughs> called me a fascist because it mostly comes from the Corbyn guys. That that's kind of feels quite old-fashioned and traditional and quite pleasant. But I, I think the... the some, I guess some people, some, a certain type of person would be put off reading a book by an author they thought was, you know, you know, was not of their political orientation. Some people think like that. But I don't yeah. think, I, I, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like you're pushing, like trying to, not there's anything wrong, arguing for a particular worldview or anything like that. It, 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 a lot of the book is quite objective analysis of the system and your criticisms, I think people from diff, all different sides of um, you know, politics would agree with the, criticisms but not necessarily you know your your recommendations but a lot of the book can be just read as a quite an, inter, an interesting analysis of how the system works so you can learn you know i think you know you can learn for a lot from it if you're interested in politics it's one of the strengths of the book 
but uh, just wet, always seems to work out how you blend in. You know, this this is how it works, and you know, this is how it doesn't. Yeah. You know. Like the title says on the book, which is really clever. <laughs> I never really, um, the whole, so I, I never really believed that um, having a view means that you can't be objective. I think you, you, you can maintain your objectivity while having a view. You can't do balance. And I think balance in general is overrated and kind of like a damaging concept. And you can't be impartial, but you can be objective. So you can just say, look, here are counterexamples, here are what they are, you know, and you can make your mind up about how effective you think that counterexample is. So you you can keep both voices in your head at the same time, I think. Although you kind of always know, right? Like I have a weird sort of, if, if a lot of my career is me shooting my mouth off on Twitter about how, you know, the current government's a bunch of bastards, I have to accept the fact that there'll be fewer readers for the books that I write who I think could potentially be quite open to it. But, you know, that's just the price you pay, basically. Mm. So, yeah, so, so the, the book is split into, or it goes through all the various different uh, institutions and parts of the system. Um, I really liked, the, I've already said this to you, but I really liked the way you started the book with the uh, sort of case study of the privatisation of, um, of the uh, probation service, um, because it exemplifies you know, everything else that you, all the other criticism, everything all comes together in that, in that one example. Um, and, and a little bit of involvement when I went for a social care charity at the time, who was bidding for a, for a contract uh, in Leeds. Mm. And so I wasn't as interested in politics then in 2012, but I remember reading the, the, the document, uh, Transforming Rehabilitation and having to right. get to know it all. And there's a lot of concern in this, this charity basically would, was working with the repeat offenders and it took on that sort of uh, rounded approach to that by, by trying to give them support with, you know, trying to find out what their needs were, whether it's like housing issues, employment, help with welfare, all that it's, uh, um, sort of all these different issues that people have that that can that gets them locked into a, a reoffending uh, mm-hmm. cycle, and they were going to try and apply that to in in the in the way they did the probation. But they were worried about that it was good, that it was going all the contracts were going to go to big security firms and um, you know like G4S, and um, they also thought that uh, <laughs> I remember a lot of people telling me there's, a, there's just so much there that could go wrong in the doing, and, and they didn't really understand why they were doing it. And yeah. I, 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 it's one of those things that some elements of it seemed like maybe good in theory, but just it didn't work at all. Uh, and did they get one, one of the contracts? No, they didn't. No, no. They, they, I did. I thought this is the thing. I thought at the time this is the kind of organisation that should be doing. If they're going to do it, make it mm. work. It needs to be. Uh, it needs to be an organisation like this that that is actually you know, staffed by people who care, and it's got it, it aims to actually. Um, Stop people reoffending by meeting all their various social needs and giving them the support they need. And then what there's, and you you would argue in the book about the uh, incentives were all wrong for the um, for the there's like false incentives for the companies that that uh, bid for it, and uh, it's just all complete fiasco. It's so weird, isn't it? It, it sort of goes back to that commu- like the communism thing in a way of. And, and almost like you you and my, we come from quite different sort of instinctive, I think, sort of traditions, even though our politics are probably quite similar now. But like, there's a real, 
it, when, when it comes to what are you going to do with the public service, the first question you ask yourself about privatization or nationalization is just like, well, what does the contract look like? You know, because if, if you can't clearly see the way that market forces are going to deliver some kind of improvement, there's a really good chance that this thing's going to go arse over tit. And probation's just one of those classic examples of it just wasn't it wasn't the kind of thing where market mechanisms were going to work because it was just impossible to tell what was the input that led to the outcome that you wanted. The outcome that you want is rehabilitation or, you know, a reduction in reoffending. And you're just never going to know what that is. Like, you know, it's going to be a mixture of housing, of drugs. Of, you know, probation service meetings, of having the right probation officer, of maintaining the family without getting a divorce, of, of keeping a job, of improved literacy. And you will just never know what the input was. I mean, if you don't know what the input was, you can't reward it with the right sort of market um, uh, you can't you can't reward it with a profit motive, basically. So from the very beginning, there was just this sense of like these contracts aren't going to make any sense. And when eventually we saw the contracts, it was like, oh yeah, no, they don't make any sense. This thing's going to be a disaster, which indeed it was. There's a bit of payment by results approach. Um, uh, the financial sense is all wrong. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this is an example because it shows there's a minister who's clearly inadequate, Chris Grayling. Um, <laughs> yep. God. Do you remember? <laughs> God, they really have been, we've not been blessed with great politicians, have we? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is what, what you know, I've just, you're talking about my political views, like, you can learn a lot from everything that's gone on in the last uh, decade or so. You know, that it, mm. if you're if you've come out from 2010 to 2023 without having changed, you know, altered in some way some of your views, because God, what a fucking dumpster fire. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really frustrating right now. I don't, but I don't even follow politics as much as I used to because it just it's so frustrating, man. It's like just despair, and I don't. Anyway, yeah. I saw it. Um, there was that documentary about about Tony Blair and Gordon Brown like a a couple of years ago, and there was lots to dislike about them and lots that they got wrong. But the 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 depressing feeling that I got while watching it was just sort of looking at them, just thinking, "Oh, you're just really quite serious people. Like you're serious people who think you're going to do a serious job." And you did lots of absolute, like absolute hair raising cockups. But at least you were serious about it and took it seriously. And then to have this procession of just inadequates being handed to us, who never looked like they care, even in the slightest, about what they're doing. It has been an extremely dispiriting experience. And I think one of the chief sort of lessons of the last 13 years was the various ways in which you might be able to keep up your emotional disposition, despite being presented with no evidential basis for why you might do so.
me on and spat me out He made me his bitch with his love machine That beard, those shirts, that hair, that belt If you loved him forever then you'd know how I felt Yeah, no Edmonds, he lit my fire If you loved him forever then you'd know how I felt Yeah, no Edmonds, he lit my fire When you're feeling shite Cause you're Chadwick's light Who you gonna kiss? The dirty old man There you go I'm a fool to do your dirty work Go yeah I don't wanna do your dirty work No more Just gonna point out that so far I think you've asked me two questions one of which involved a complete misapprehension as to the core theme of, of the book. And I've just badly phrased with... something I'd heard you say. I'm going to send it a clip. Uh, <laughs> I was I, just I, talking just... to him about that. He's like, you said it, you said it, you said it somewhere. <laughs> no, I just, not what, exactly what I said. <laughs> it's the matter that you got no, to no, have a I just, uh, oh, God, why have I got a podcast that can't talk? One of the interesting, you know, we're going to talk about the voting thing, the voting, the um, the voting thing, the voting thing. Let's go. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. There is a chapter in there called voting things, and um, I really, I really dwelt over that chapter title. Actually, it was hard for me to come up with. Oh God, taking the piss out of me now. I'm not on my perform to. (laughs) The voting system. Right. Yeah. Now, actually, this is something that I was unconvinced by just a few mm-hmm. years ago um, in terms of going to, like, a proportional representation. But um, uh, much more open to the reform in that area now. Um, oh, the, Yeah, there's quite a few different areas in which I've, I've become less... Uh, well, I don't really consider myself conservative as a small c, but some instincts in... in Apart from obviously in Brexit, which I thought was a good idea for a while, um, <laughs> threw everything out the any caution out the window there. Uh, there. But you know, it's uh, all right though because it worked out really well. Yes, you were but right. in terms of overhauling the uh, electoral system, I, don't, I wasn't convinced, but I think I am now. But can you explain explain to us why you think it's a it's a weakness in the system? Yeah, I mean, my my fundamental question is just that. Any- that, that was, was a question, and, and it was, I mean, it, it didn't take much more than like a minute, maybe 90 seconds. Yeah, and then he just started it was, it interrupting really you impressive. when you were talking as well. <laughs> true, true, <laughs> including my interruptions, it's true. Um, 
Uh, I mean, my first problem is, you know, it doesn't count two thirds of the votes, right? So, I mean, people that vote someone who doesn't win, and those who vote someone who does win, over and above the vote that that where they actually won it, all of those votes are ignored. And any system that doesn't count two thirds of the votes seems to me to be a massive fucking problem. And I sort of almost feel like the debate sort of begins and ends there as a sentence. It's an intolerable sentence. Um, but most of my arguments in the book are really about the constitutional implications. It's not really about democracy. It's um, what First Past the Post does, what it was designed to do, is to convert minority support, minority electoral support, into a massive government majority in the Commons. And I don't really want governments to have that much power. I want them to be relatively weak. I want them to have to listen to the amendments and the opinions of opposition parties. What you're ultimately looking for is a sort of a legislative process where opposition MPs are going to be like, look, I get that you get to pass legislation. I don't really agree with what you've done here, but you do get to do it. So how about instead of tactic A, why don't you try tactic B? And you can alleviate some of our concerns about whatever it is. So you saw that recently, for instance, in the Scottish Parliament with the hate crimes bill. Their hate crimes legislation was just dreadful. I mean, really broad legislation, like really piss poor legislation. And it was still piss poor legislation by the time they were done with it, but it was at least improved by listening to opposition MPs and sort of providing protections for atheists and for free thinkers. You don't see that, you know, in in the Westminster Parliament, for instance, with the policing bill, which went through at exactly the same time, had all these implications for free speech. No amendments worked. I think as soon as you have proportional representation, you have a much more even balance between the parties. You have a party having to cooperate with another party in order to govern. And you get that kind of creative adversariality that is much better than the sort of know-nothing machismo and kind of political puritanism that you get in Westminster as a result of First Past the Post. Yeah, it's like what you were talking Sorry. about before, about like the types of MPs that get through and become MPs. Um, Obviously, if like collaboration is something which is going to be enforced by the voting system, then it's going to be different mm. types of people and different types of skill sets that are going to come through as well, and less like blowhards and like, yeah, pure puritanists. Puritanists? That <laughs> <laughs> word? I don't think so. Puritanical <laughs> assholes. Um, yeah, yeah, because they're going to be people who need to like make friends with people on the other side. Yeah, I, just I think that's spot on. Sorry, go on in. No, I, I mean, and you, you get a change in the culture by virtue of it. So you look at the Dutch, right? The, the Dutch electoral system in many ways is, is quite fucked because they only have one constituency and that constituency is the Netherlands, right? So there's almost no local connection to an MP at all and, and they don't really like it and I don't think they should. I mean, that seems way too broad. However, by having the mix of parties having to cooperate in government and between government and opposition parties, you develop this political culture, which is about this idea of like, no one's ever going to really win. We're in a deal-making political culture, you know, and everyone's going to be a bit unhappy all of the time. And that is a much more realistic culture, but it's also one where you spot problems more easily because you're systematically forced to encounter the scrutiny of the problem. You're, you're forced to encounter those who are raising issues with what you were trying to do rather than just being able to insulate yourself by this massive commons majority so i think changing the electoral system doesn't just change the structures and the incentives but it also can change the culture around the political uh, sort of debate that you have i think seeing the the 
extent to which opposition views didn't have to be, were, were not listened to in the way in which Brexit was implemented is one of the uh, mm. points for me. And just, as you say, mm. the, the underlying principle, which, which you said it should be enough in itself that people so many votes are meaningless. I mean, that's one of the reasons on most elections I haven't voted, because I've always lived in a constituency like where I live now, been conservative for, I don't know, decades and decades and decades and uh, lived mm. in a uh, Labour constituency before as well. Just, I just was, I was occasionally, I think I went to be in a couple of times and it was just like as a matter of principle, but I knew my vote wasn't yeah. really doing anything. And, you know, that in itself, the principle of that, and uh, you're right, I think it is, it is wrong. And, yeah, I think that's a, quite a major overhaul, um, really. It would be a big change for the country, but, yeah, I think I think... I'm more convinced by it these days. And well, is there anything you disagreed with in the book? I, 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 there must be stuff that you, you didn't like in there. Oh, interesting question. <laughs> Put me on the spot there. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I was interested. You know, the, you've got to talk about the, the way MPs are selected, and uh, and the and how the system affects affects you know and uh, you talk about the legislative process and how difficult it is for MPs to really scrutinise anything, and I, and the way that ministers are selected and the the turnover that we have there and just the, the way the way that we can't we don't have enough expertise. I found very little to disagree with there, um, and agree with you on the House of Lords as well because I think that might be surprising oh, wow. people. I guess that. Um, you know, people might—I don't know—people who don't don't know your views might assume that you were looking for an elected, you know, fully elected sort of House of Lords. But you explain that that system can work quite well. You know, you're not not necessarily as as it is, but maybe not further baby out with the bathwater sort of. Yeah, well, what's the? I just don't like democracy isn't the answer to everything. You know, when you were talking about the Commons, the reason the democratic deficit from first past the post really matters is because that's the place that you got your representatives. When it comes to the Lords, you've got also what's the function of the chamber? And it's a revision chamber, right? Like it doesn't initiate the legislation and it can't kill the legislation. All it does is revise. So if that's what it's doing, you sort of think, like, well, what's the best way of doing that? And that seems to be the best place for expertise, because we certainly don't have it anywhere else in the fucking system. So it's got to be somewhere. And in the House of Lords, I mean, this has only applied since Blair's reforms, really since they introduced the crossbench peers. Before then, it was, it was just a complete shit show, just like everything else in Westminster. But once that happened, you were bringing in people with a lot of experience of business, of volunteering, of science, of the arts, of defence matters. And they were actually able to look at a piece of legislation and go, well, you've got a massive problem here. You know, none of this makes sense. You're going to find a lot of suboptimal outcomes on the basis of what you've proposed. And, and honestly, the second that that happens, it's almost like it's the first time the government's even seen its own fucking bill. Like they just sat there just making amendment after amendment after amendment on the basis of expertise. And that happens because you've got an appointed chamber. You know, we can do without, obviously, all the people that Boris Johnson puts in, and prime ministers should not have that power. We should strip them of the power, hand it to the House of Lords Appointments Commission. But in terms of the crossbench peers, that shit works. That's one of the only bits in the order of Westminster that works, and I think we'd be absolutely mad to get rid of it. And actually, the thing that, you know, I'll be pleased to see a change of government, but the thing that really concerns me about uh, Labour and government at the moment would be their promise to to abolish the House of Lords. The, the idea of Westminster without the House of Lords is fucking terrifying. That's because, as you explain in the book, that, that uh, MPs, it, it, it's made very difficult for MPs to 
to really scrutinise the legislation, both in how much time they have to do it, um, that they're being pushed into vote in a certain way anyway, um, and that it's, as you say, the amendments, but what is it you do describe in how the amendments are the written and so you know they've got all these different yeah, yeah. they have to have all of the bills in front of them and uh, it's just complete faff um, and they can't but, but even even when you give them the forum they can't do it like yeah. you, you look at report stage right which is one of the latest stages in the commons it's in the lords as well but in the commons of looking which is supposed to be a period of really pinpoint accuracy on a bill of looking at it line by line in terms of what the amendments are and whether they should change and there used to be like seven groups of amendments that you would have and just so you could actually think specifically about the bill and now they basically just have one group because MPs are completely incapable of focusing on granular detail. They just revert back to generalities and these kind of banal tub-thumping speeches that are mostly designed to be clipped for Twitter or the nightly news. So even when they've got the forum, they're so unused to having any kind of meaningful impact in legislation that they just have lost the, the intellectual capacity, the kind of capacity for sustained intellectual attention that would allow them to do it. It's it's pretty it's I mean it's pretty embarrassing watching the comments and it and it gets more embarrassing the more granular the moment becomes. It is a bit of a one of those things that your book is a, a really a good read and it's quite fascinating. But it's you know as I said I'm already at the end of a tether so it's a frustrating read for. For <laughs> not not because not because of the way it's written or anything, but just to write about it, it's like it's there is a lot of wrong with you know how the system works at the moment. So it's not like does this mean that I can formally consider myself part of your great unraveling? Like if I <laughs> entered the narrative of your podcast? Uh, well, I, have to, I have quite I feel quite uh, ravelled at the moment. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm unraveling. <laughs> One of my biggest, the thing that worried the most is the, is, is the whole, the, the ministers, the way, the way that we appoint ministers, um, usually out of loyalty, uh, to, to, to maintain loyalty or reward loyalty. Uh, they're not necessarily experts. They're not there very long. That was one of the things you was exemplified by the probation, the heat, uh, privatization. Chris Grayling just wanted to do something and oof, they hear something. Uh, and you know, education ministers always want to come in and do something when you know we don't necessarily need a big overhaul of everything every ten years. Uh, well, what what is it, what can be done? What would you, we can be done there? What to change that? What can be done? I mean, honestly, part part of that would be would be having proportional representation. You notice, like um, during those five years of the coalition actually ministers stopped moving around at quite the speed that they did during New Labour and certainly after the coalition period because once their positions are the result of these quite contorted, quite delicate negotiations between the two governing parties, you actually have to keep them in place because it's part of the power balance. So yeah. the, the, the easiest... Well, okay, maybe not the easiest thing you could do because changing the voting system would be a big deal, mm -hmm. but it would be a very quick way of, of changing things around. I mean, beyond that, you do have to create a sort of change in, in the culture. You can try and placate it somewhat by demanding, or at least some of the ill effects, by at least putting a sense of jeopardy on ministers. At the moment, we have this sort of myth that they just quit. They'll quit if you know a scandal has happened. I mean, they never quit over failure of policy. They never do. It just does not happen. 
because by the time that policy fails, they've already moved into three further ministerial positions. So I'd suggest that you know you, they get recalled in front of a select committee for a grilling on their record every two years for the next six years, so that they can just sit there and go be faced with the consequences of what they've done. And at least that way, no matter how short a time they're there, there's an onus on them to think about the impact of it in the future, not just what it does for their job prospects right now. I thought Matt was going to say something. <laughs> well, I can say something, yeah. I yeah. mean, um, I mean, it's, it's moving on a little bit, though. Um, All right, well, just I want to... No, no, it's about the book. That. It's about the book. Oh, go on, then. <laughs> right. um, I mean, I guess, like, um, I know, like, people have said about your writing a lot, that it's, um, you try and be accessible, right? You try to take complex problems or complex things and make them accessible and, and exciting to read. Thanks, man. Um, which, you, you know, you obviously succeed in. Um, the, the, no, thanks, man. Talk a bit about that. Like, it's obviously a very, like, complex... Westminster is such, like, a complex and, like, ancient uh, system and institution. It must have been a lot of, like, tons of research and... Yeah, you've gone through the voting system, that, MPs. Yeah. You've gone through, you know, almost every element of it, the press, civil service. There's a lot... A lot to take in. So, how did you go about it? I, I sort of, I, I think, I think it's easier to write accessibly about it if you are yourself really fucking bored by the subject, because you're you're very much emotionally in the place of someone reading it, and so you have to think, you know, how would someone present this to me to make it interesting? Because it it sucks when you spent a year going through you know, public audit committee reports and very sort of long, dense, dry constitutional texts. So that's always like the emotional view of just thinking anything that bores me, I need to deal with in some way. I need to either sort of like break it down so it can be consumed very simply and very easily in the space of one paragraph. And that allows me then to focus on the more colorful stories, like the tragedies, the comedies, the more kind of aggressive quotes from an MP. So the, the system was basically, I just read a lot, like a lot of books and a lot of reports and got the spine. And once I had the spine, I knew that I you know, needed to go talk to sort of civil servants and MPs and ministers and 
yeah, A, see if it's true, but B, just see if they have the stories and the kind of color to bring it all together. So then you go out and you do that and you can insert those bits into the spine of the story. And then you do another round of reading and another round of interviews when you know which of the individual areas that you're kind of lacking detail that you need a bit more information in. The punishing bit, to be honest, came at the end because <laughs> because I did most of those interviews on like German terms. It was it was sort of we're off record, but I'll I'll send you the transcript afterwards and you can veto what you don't like. And there were certain bits that it was just extraordinary to me how few would would have them anywhere near the transcript, even anonymized. So for instance, there were loads of quotes about delegated legislation committees. These are places where MPs are supposed to scrutinize statutory instruments, which are really quite pernicious ministerial powers. And they just don't fucking do it. Like they just they they sit there, they do some of their box work. I'm bigger part of not their box work. They go through some of their constituency work. You know, they'll sit there on WhatsApp. They don't do any scrutiny at all. And that was told to me by various people, and none of them would allow me to use the quotes at the end, which is like an incredibly frustrating experience. The other area was um weirdly cross-party cooperation. Like I had these stories of MPs kind of going against the system and risking their own career and their own reputation to work with someone from another party in order to sort of like try and stimulate this part of their party and they'll stimulate this part of their party and maybe there'll be an amendment somewhere that suits what they both want. And actually all of those stories got absolutely nixed. Like even with all the detail removed, they were just like, I just don't want that. I just can't risk any of that. So it's like the real taboo. It's kind of fascinating because these are people doing the right thing despite all of the incentives being against them. But the real taboo was that kind of cross-party cooperation, informal cross-party cooperation. They absolutely killed all of it. What's that? Is that showing weakness? Is that what it is? What, what is that? Or is it, it goes against all the rules. Mm. You know, you're, if, you're, if you're having secret chats with, you know, a Lib Dem or a Tory, a Labour, you know, and you're not in that party and your colleagues think that's what you're doing, if they think that there's because you're essentially operating as a kind of cabal, you know, that's going against the wishes of your own party leadership and their party leadership, you know, by by essentially trying to create news lines and stimulate resistance within parliamentary parties for an outcome which is not the desire of either leadership, but in fact of this rather secretive group. It just breaks all the rules. And in every one of those cases, they were trying to make better legislation. Like they were not following these really rank ideological anything. They were just trying to just trying to improve the legislation that they both on both sides knew was flawed. But it's it's considered like the ultimate scandal. They would have been much better off like shagging each other or trying to kill each other physically than what they were actually doing. <laughs> I mean, it'd be different, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Also, I mean, that would have been made for a more entertaining story. <laughs> but nevertheless, it didn't matter because I wasn't allowed to use it. <laughs> And are you on like some uh, like a crusade with this book of any kind? Last time when you, well, was it last time? Whenever you came and talked about how to be a liberal, um, you were on a form of crusade, um, trying to push uh, parts of the liberal agenda. Um, and just, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, good. Um, but the, uh, like, you, admit, you admitted that at the time. I'm not making it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. No, that's um, how, my whole is, life is about pushing a liberal agenda. <laughs> is this um, is this book? Are you, are you trying to? Is there any particular message you are trying to push with? this or is it i guess that accessibility thing is there like a reason why you want to make it accessible beyond just and do you have and, you're not and, bored <laughs> and do you have hope because you've dismantled every element of the system quite convincingly <laughs> in the in the book um <laughs> i i mean that i'm so weary that yeah i i agree you do you know you argue that some things work 
But do you, do you, do you despair when you're when you're writing this, or do you think you know there'll be a correction over time and we can turn things around? We just need to. I think yeah, these are basically just both the same question in a way because I because I do have sort of hope in sort of people and politics. I I always find it, I, I the stuff that you guys are asking me is exactly the same. I get this every time I do like a speech or an event and people feel really depressed and hopeless. And I just sort of think like, well, like how do you think political change happens? You know, like even, even if we think about the Brexit thing, like it's just like, you know, you've got to hand it to sort of like, you know, this bunch of sort of weirdos during Maastricht who just would not give up, you know, and would just drill away at this stuff until they were successful. And for some reason, I find that my lot, liberals, are quite complacent, really, and don't really like doing the work. And this is not necessarily built for liberals. I think any conservative, you know, pretty much anyone should be able to sign up to what's in there. But you've got to push for it. You've just got to fight for it. You've got to agitate for it. And unless people do and it's not like no one's asking people to sort of man the barricades and put themselves at personal risk. But it is about saying to political parties, right now, predominantly the Labour Party, because they're most likely to form the next government, you know, these are the conditions of our support. You know, that, that is not an impossible thing to do. That's just basic political campaigning um, of the type that, you you know, Ben, that you do all the time with stuff around EFTA. And seem like this is, this is how you get change, right? You fight for change. So it's, if things are only as depressing as we allow them to be, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm not. I'm even as I said, I'm frustrated and and sometimes just a little bit resigned. Generally, I think that yeah, <laughs> I do think I'm just kind of sitting back and going, it'll be all right. We, we'll things. I mean, I wish it would come sooner, but eventually we'll sort of <laughs> things will get better because you do have to go through a lot of shit before. And there's been a lot, you know, political cycles over decades of where you know things we sort of hit a low. And that's you have mm. to sort of crash a little bit to be like, okay, we do need to change, um, and hopefully that'll yeah, come yeah. eventually. Well, <laughs> no, that's a really good point, right? Mm. Like I heard the story. I don't know if you've ever heard this about you. You know that bit at the ending of a movie where they put like no animals were harmed and all of this was checked over by the American Humane Association or whatever. Apparently that happened because there was some. I think it was a cowboy film or something, and they had to show like a scene of the sort of like the rider and the horse going over a cliff edge. And so their way of filming that was just to like, you know, like get 40 horses, and just like one by one, just drive them over the edge of this fucking cliff <laughs> and film each one. And there was this outcry and they were like, well, you fucking can't do that, man. That's, that's not OK. And, and it resulted in that reform of now, you know, the American Human Association or whatever it's called looks over this stuff. And so on that basis, I sort of think like it's right. You know, things have to go a bit wrong before people actually put in place the structures to improve them. And if 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 we've ever had that, surely that Liz Trust moment, more actually than Boris Johnson and more actually than Richard Sunak, but the Liz Trust moment has to be a point where you just sit and think, okay, hang on a minute. Like we've got to reverse engineer what's happened here because this, <laughs> yeah. this is not the sort of shit that should be allowed to take place and can be the kind of spur of thinking, we now care not just about the policies, but the method how is government working? Why is the law that it puts forward often of such unbelievably shoddy quality? Why are the individuals lacking in any kind of basic intellectual competence required for the role? And once you start asking those questions, you can get the changes that you want. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
question um so you know you in like a uh, like a, a nice pub like a gastro pub like we have now mm. or like a restaurant then you go into the toilets mm. and there's hand wash and hand cream have you seen that in the toilets anybody oh, knows yeah yeah i'm not a fan of that mm. what which one do you go for the hand wash or the hand cream hand wash i don't know what the fuck the cream what? is all about who uses the hand cream i don't get it i don't understand what it's there for who is it for Damn. i don't understand don't indulge him. Is this is a long-standing thing? Where I think he, he thinks he's going to make it to some observational comedy or something. It is. This is my bit. <laughs> I'm doing it. This is it. We've done it. Uh, Hand cream. What's that all about? <laughs> I, I, I actually kind of do want the answer to the question because is it that I, I, I would be satisfied by this much? When are you supposed to put it on? Is it after you've dried your hands? Exactly. It's before you dry your hands. I don't fucking know when it's you meant to put it on. What you meant to do with it? No. I, I, I always hear like a voice behind me, which is like, um, it puts the hand cream on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. It's like, <laughs> wow. wow. The of the lamps. Is it only <laughs> is it only this that makes you think about yourself in a really demeaning way in the third person, or is it or, or any other number of events? Just what kind of psychopath would like enforce his hand cream into public places? I don't understand. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with this? It's just weird, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's, I mean, I uh... probably wouldn't use the cream. But yeah, <laughs> good book, though, Ian. Um, <laughs> um, seriously, though, um, congratulations on your success with it because it is fucking good. It's a fucking good book, mate. And I recommend anybody listening. Go and fucking buy it. Um, and uh, any p- political Thanks, decision, man. unless you're some kind of like extremist idiot, then you know, I don't think that it's um, it's uh, it's not you know it's not certainly not partisan, and it's not. Uh, yes, you're 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 making you're making arguments, you're making a case, but I don't think it's uh, necessarily. It's not of a narrow like political view. I think people should read mm. it with an open mind, and people will people will learn a lot. And this song. I think, I assume, I don't fucking know, because I don't know any of the people who listen to this, but I think, you know, if you listen to this, you're not, you're looking, you're maybe not somebody who's got your head deep into politics. You're interested, but you also would rather some couple of morons fucking explained it to you than some, you know, real pundits. <laughs> Point is, you're looking for something a bit accessible. <laughs> it's not I'm, difficult. I'm amazed by your assessment of your audience, just out of interest. <laughs> what, what do you think your audience is, is into? I mean, God, goodness. I mean, you know, I ask for engagement from them sometimes and you get the occasional one and they're generally quite insulting. Um, <laughs> you know, so I've, you know, I've got good feedback, but I have, I, I, God knows what people's views of, of me are because I've had some people say, like, you get hints of my personal life sometimes and uh, they come back and say, oh, you know, because you are... A raging alcoholic. Is that not fucking alcoholic? Oh, yeah, you know, you 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 got divorced because you're an alcoholic. I said that is not. That's not no. That is that's genuinely not true. I mean, fucking hell. Like, what, what 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 have you taken from this anyway? Well, I can't remember what point was now. What were we talking about? You were telling everyone to buy my book. 
Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure now. that I want the endorsement now, but yeah, but I mean, feel free to carry on. <laughs> How Westminster works and why it doesn't. Uh, yeah, no, I'd recommend anybody listening to, to, to buy it, man. It's a really good read. And I'm, I, um, I think it makes it, yeah, it's it, it's very impressive. Um, you know, I've read, read all your books and followed your career for a while. And uh, yeah, big, big admirer, man. Uh, it's a great book. So in all seriousness, despite the crude interview and taking the piss, uh, okay, well done. Yeah, well done. Buy the fucking book, cunts. And no, thank you very much. I, I feel the same way about your Twitter persona and this podcast, which weirdly I now associate with being in the gym because that's where <laughs> I listen to it, which is strange because I sort of feel like simultaneously I'm going through a process of like physical improvement while going through, you know, a simultaneous one of, of mental degradation. So it's a very, you know, kind of exotic, it's an exotic experience. Oh, I have a question for you on uh, physical health. Um, so mm. you wrote a while ago about, like, um, your physical health, right, didn't you? You, you said you had, a, like, a, you fainted yeah, yeah, in the bathroom? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I had a seizure. Oh, sorry, a seizure. seizure. I would call that fainting. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking horrible. Let's call it a seizure. Basically. He has them all the time. I don't have all the time. I have well, a similar, had a similar thing. I it's happened. Yeah, and I was just wondering, like, what's 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 with that? You had any more or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, no. Oh, so wait. So have, have you had exactly the same thing that I had? The, I don't know. What the fuck is it know. called? It's a so so. The advice that was given to me was, if you a stop drinking so much, uh, and b if you have been drinking, do not just wake up like at sort of 4, 5, 6 a.m. and go to the loo because you'll probably have one of your funny episodes. Interesting. Um, and it was something to, it's, they, they clearly didn't really know what it was. But anyway, annoyingly, the doctor then sat and said, look, he's like, some people will never faint no matter what you do to them. He's like, some people will faint all the, like if they see a drop of blood or if they see a, you know, a pin, they'll faint and that's it. And he's like, all of us are somewhere in the middle but you're a bit more like the person who will faint if they see a pin. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that, he put some shit in my head because now if I feel even remotely, like the slightest bit dizzy for any reason, I'm like, oh, that's, it's, here it comes. Like I'm oh. just going to, I'm going to. Now, that collapse. is very interesting and I'm with you totally because I completely have that. So, I mean, it's vasovagal mm -hmm. syncope, is it right? Is that the thing that they told you you have? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd now have that same thing, that kind of concern about like feeling like you're going to pass out all the time. So yeah, I feel your pain. Mm -hmm. It drives me insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually genuinely really quite happy to bond about that because I've <laughs> never met anyone else who's had it. Yeah, no. And so yeah, so I, I like, a, I, talk, I spoke on this podcast before, like I fainted on holiday last year um, in Spain and it was like around, it was like a big family holiday and it was around like a big ton of my family. I did it. And there's, and it was like a big scene <laughs> in the middle of this town. Mm -hmm. And I had to go to hospital and stuff. And it, and ever since then, I've oh, been really like fucking. Um, so yeah, yeah. Health kick is the is the answer. I think is, is just drop, drop in booze and. Oh, yeah, I always remember the time that you the whole. Sorry, go on. Did you have the whole sort of seizure bit, like the sort of the shaking and eyes to the top of your head, and yeah, and because that lose really all upset the my partner. Yeah, well, I'd, <laughs> I actually passed out on top of my young son at the time as well, which really oh, freaked mate. him out because he thought I was dead. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, so yeah, but yeah, you lose all the color and yeah, but I like spat, like yeah, see to have a seizure and yeah, yeah, it's very, very distressing. Uh, it's not the first time yeah. I've done it, but it's the first time I've done it in such a public place like that and around my family. Um, so was that in the middle of the day? So that wasn't just the first yeah, thing in the morning? Yeah, no, it was in the afternoon. It was, I mean, it was like, it was the heat which had caused it. Um, I hadn't drunk enough during the day and we'd been in a rush and yeah, um, I am prone to it, but it was the it was the heat that time. But it's like sometimes it's the heat, sometimes it's something else. Sometimes it's you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something else. Yeah, I'm time, with you. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. You passed out in your uh, in and I had, in the room that I had to sleep in, and uh, you, know, you passed out and pissed yourself, and then snored oh, like incredibly loudly. <laughs> I mean, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty inebriated then, to be fair. That's usually when it used to happen. It is a very nice friend thing to do to bring that up in a social forum. Like this, yeah. Well, it's I, no, I'm really so it's, I would anxiety that must go around that is horrendous. And I've seen him get all panicky when I've um, he's decided he wants to go home and I'm ordering more to drink. Um, but <laughs> I do think it's a bit of a... It's nice to have a sympathetic to... friend, basically. I, I am so. sympathetic. I think I'm a very supportive <laughs> friend. But we can't end the podcast on that note, though, can we? That's what I end. I did have... Uh, can we... All right, what well, we got? A few, three got a few and a minutes. Half minutes left, at yeah. least just pick it up from the... That was, you know... It's, it's, <laughs> We had a connection. We had a connection. I meant to ask him about it last time, and I was like, "Oh no, opportunity of connection." I've got to say that. So because it's you know, yeah, it is an anxiety that lives with you. It's a difficult thing to live with. All right. I had it like honestly. I I I I've had it twice where I thought I was going to have it on stage, like once, like once at a Romaniacs live show, and and actually once at the Hay Festival, which which wasn't that long ago. It was like a few weeks ago. And it was just like I laughed too hard, like it actually comes with the laughing, and it's and it would be such a fucking Jesus. embarrassment with my laugh if I one day laugh myself into like fucking oblivion, and be, everyone would just be like, well, we obviously saw that coming because you just couldn't control that shit. You'd but like trend, it's there, trending, it's like a, wouldn't you? It'd be trending on Twitter. I'd be trending. <laughs> yeah, I'd be trending, and in. not in a good way. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's that's the thing. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> but in no, but front you of your that's you the could be on stage and it recorded because, yeah. you know, the, the things that you do. That, that's the problem with the anxiety, though, is you, your mind is going there already, isn't it? That's the problem. And you God, think how awful. Yeah, yeah I, I don't even know if it's fucking true. You know, like, I, I honestly think I might just be making all of this shit up at this point. But once a doctor says to you, this is a thing that you're going to get, you're like, wow, it's going to happen every day now, you know. Yeah. That's the anxiety, then. it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't. Just <laughs> <laughs> saw an opportunity and grabbed it. Um... <laughs> you seem to be on Twitter quite a lot, um, Ian. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. Doesn't that? <laughs> Listen, doesn't, that, doesn't that drive you? I've, I've, I'm not as 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 active on him. I mean, you obviously. Yeah, that's true. Part, how but, do you? Um, yeah, how do you not go insane on Twitter? <laughs> but do you just not read? It's just just don't really read what got people worse, are saying. Hasn't it? it has got worse. It has got, what has it done? It's broken. It is because you just you can just talk to the people that you follow. Right? Yeah, I've got, I've just, got my, just have it. Yeah. I've got my list, but yeah, it's the stuff like the blue tick replies. But you know. Because you've got such a huge following and we get such engagement, I imagine we must have to ignore a lot of the engagement. Yeah, you don't. You just, exactly, you, you mostly don't. Unless it's like something you're really proud of. If someone writes about the book, 
I'll, I'll probably end up reading it. Like if it's directed towards me and has that kind of thing, like, you know, you can follow those conversations for stuff that you really care what people are saying. And the funny thing is as well, like, as you, as you'll know, I think like if it's a podcast or a book, if it's something that people have to put a bit of work into actually experiencing, like a book takes hours, right? People that hate you don't really want to read a book by you just tear it apart. So it's usually a much more interesting appraisal than you would get by if it's just people telling you what they think of your last tweet that took them 10 seconds to read. So I think generally speaking, the longer the product that you've put out, the more kind of constructive and worthwhile the responses will be from those who are bothered to, you know, actually read or listen to it. It's still a good place, right? It still makes me laugh every yeah, I mean, day. I still, still, still learn something every day. I, I don't want it all that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, that's an aim. We're going to let you go because uh, we've yeah. kept you long enough. Um, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was a real honour to speak to you again. And uh, yeah, I love the book. So yeah, yeah thank thanks you, for writing man. it, man. I was, I tried, it's it's, it's get people get a bit of an education from it. And I think it's a timely, timely thing to write. So I imagine that's why you were inspired to do it. So. Oh, cheers, you guys. It's been a real pleasure coming back. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.